and welcome to the What The Heck podcast. I'm your host, Glenn. Every week I explore something unexplained, talk about what it is, and look at what else it could possibly be. Research is done as academically as possible, and references will be given after the stories. This week, I'm looking at the murders at Hinterkaifeck. As usual with these kinds of stories, there's some content warnings in place. We're going to be looking at wounds and death, so that's the biggest one. There's also a mention of incest, so if any of those things are going to upset you, you know the drill. Mark it as played and make sure you're okay, and I won't be upset if you do. In the German state of Bavaria, there was an isolated farmstead. In 1922, it became the site of one of the biggest unsolved mysteries in Germany. As a bit of historical context, Germany in 1922 had no money at all. After the First World War, the League of Nations had ordered Germany to pay massive sums of money as reparations for their part of the fighting. By 1922, Germany was unable to make the scheduled payments. They were printing massive amounts of their own currency to sell the foreign currency so that they could pay them. This caused major problems in the country around 1922, where a single loaf of bread would cost around 160 marks. And this was really the beginning of hyperinflation in Germany. Back to the farmstead, though. The isolated farm in Bavaria was called Hinterkaifeck, which, if Google Translate can be believed, translates to behind Kaifeck. Kaifeck was a village in Bavaria, so I think that's right. The farm itself was owned by the Gruber family, which was made up of Father Andreas, his wife Cecilia, and their adult daughter Victoria. Victoria had two children, her daughter Cecilia, aged seven, and her son Joseph, aged two. She also had a maid. Six months before the events at the farm, Victoria's maid quit unexpectedly, and it's claimed that she had heard strange noises from the attic, causing her to believe that the farm was haunted. In March of 1922, Andreas found a strange newspaper from Munich on the farm. Munich is around 60 kilometres from Kaifeck, so it was odd that there was a paper there from the city. Andreas didn't remember purchasing the paper and just believed that the postman had misplaced it. This belief proved incorrect since nobody around had subscribed to the paper. In the days leading to the murder, Andreas would tell his neighbours that he had found footprints in the snow that led from the nearby forest to a door with a broken lock in the farm's machine room. The neighbours told him to contact the police and have them investigate, but Andreas refused. The night after telling the neighbours about the footsteps, Andreas heard sounds in the attic. He searched it to find out what had caused the noises, but found nothing. 
On March 30th, young Cecilia reported to her friends at school that her mother, Victoria, had been in a huge argument the night before and run from the house, only to be found in the forest hours later. It's believed that the argument was about Victoria's love life, but that's unknown. It's important to note that in 1915, Andreas and Victoria had been arrested for incest. This relationship is believed to have been abusive. Victoria spent a month in prison and Andreas spent a year in prison. This information is important. Victoria had a husband who fought in the war. The father of Joseph is unknown and it's believed that Victoria's husband died during the war. There are a few possibilities. Joseph could have been the offspring of Andreas, a neighbour or an unknown man. On March 31st, the new maid, Maria Baumgartner, arrived at the farm with her sister. Maria's sister had accompanied her to her new job and then left the farm to return home. Maria spent the day settling in and getting to know the farm and the family. Later that day, the family noticed that they had misplaced one of the keys to the farm. On April 1st, the people of Kaifek became concerned when young Cecilia didn't attend school. Although the family had a reputation for keeping mostly to themselves, the concern grew when the family didn't attend church and when nobody came to collect the mail that was piling up at the post office. By April 4th, someone from the town had gone to the farm to repair one of the machines there. He returned to town, telling everyone that he hadn't seen any of the family while he was there. That afternoon, Lawrence Schlittenbauer, a neighbour of the Grubers, sent his son and stepson to the farm to see if they could make contact. When they came back without being able to do so, Lorenz grabbed a couple of men and made his way to the farm with them. They searched the barn first, discovering a horrific scene. Four bodies were in there. Andreas, Elder Cecilia and Victoria were in there. Their bodies had been covered with hay. After a bit more searching, they found the body of young Cecilia under more hay. After finding the bodies in the barn, the search party found their way into the house. Nothing seemed disturbed at all inside. Even out in the farm, they hadn't noticed anything strange, as if someone had fed the animals over the days that these bodies had been in the barn. While searching, they found the final two bodies. Maria, the maid that had started on March 31st, and Joseph, the youngest Gruber. They had been covered with sheets and a dress. The police were called and Inspector George Rhine Gruber from the Munich police came in with his team. Initial investigations had problems since the crime scene had been tampered with by the many people who had come to see it. They had walked through the barn and the house, moved items and bodies and even used the kitchen to cook and eat meals. The day after the discovery, the court physician performed the autopsies of the bodies right there in the barn. 
he concluded that the deaths had occurred somewhere between the evening of March 31st and the morning of April 1st. Cecilia had suffered multiple blows to the head and looked as though she had also been strangled. Andreas had blood all over his face, which was described as shredded. It seemed that the bones in his cheeks were visible through the wounds he had sustained. Victoria had also sustained injuries to her head, and there were signs that she had also been hit in the face by a blunt object, most likely a mattock. A mattock is like a pickaxe, but one side has an axe blade instead. Maria and Joseph also sustained head injuries. However, young Cecilia's injuries were more tragic. The physician believed that it was likely that Cecilia had survived the initial attack with a shattered jaw and multiple wounds on her head. It's likely that she was in shock, found a place to hide and stayed there. She was missing some of her hair, which she is believed to have pulled out herself. She likely succumbed to her injuries hours after the initial attack. The police initially thought that the murders had been committed by vagrants or other travelling men with bad intentions. However, when they discovered money within the house, they dropped their suspicions. The maid that had quit was questioned, and she told the police that she believed the house was haunted after hearing noises from the attic and constantly feeling watched. Newspapers reported on the investigation, giving people the information that had been found, testimony of Andreas's discovery of the footprints and the strange newspaper from Munich that had been found. It was clear that whoever had committed the murders had stayed on or near the farm for days after the murder. The animals were fed and looked after, the bread from the kitchen had been eaten, and there had been meat cut from the pantry recently. With the lack of suspects, the police came together to formulate a list of people who could be suspects. Witness reports also began to come in of a strange man hanging around the farm in the days leading up to the murders. One said that he had crossed paths with the man carrying a lantern there the day after the murders, but couldn't see his face because of the lantern's glare. This was added to the suspects, who were interviewed. While the list was being compiled, the bodies were buried. The heads had been removed, though, and sent to mediums in the hopes that they could see the identity of the murderer. Their efforts came up with nothing. The police had a long list of suspects, and more have been added over the years, making over 100 suspects. I won't be going through all of them, just the two main suspects. The first suspect on our list is Lorenz Schlittenbauer. He was the one to begin the search of Hinterkaifeck. He was interviewed in 1931 when the investigation was reopened. According to Lorenz, he and Victoria had begun a romantic relationship towards the end of 1918. She wanted to marry and he was happy to do that. He ended the relationship when Victoria said that she was pregnant, knowing that Andreas had been known to have sex with her also. 
Immediately after Victoria's admission of pregnancy, Lorenz filed a complaint against Victoria and Andreas. Victoria begged Lorenz to accept fatherhood of the child, and Lorenz dropped the complaint and accepted. He referred to Joseph as his son. Eventually, Lorenz was seen as innocent and dropped as a suspect. The other suspect is Victoria's husband, Carl Gabriel. Although he had reportedly lost his life in the First World War, his body was never recovered. This meant that his death needed to be confirmed. They spoke to some soldiers who had seen Carl's body and stopped pursuing the matter. There were many interviews and suspects over time, and the case was reopened many times. In 1955, the police finally closed the case. It was reopened once again in 2007, but evidence had been lost and witnesses had died, which made their investigation impossible. They had a theory, but kept it to themselves so they didn't upset the descendants. The farm was burned down after the closing of the investigation in 1955, so the buildings no longer exist. There is a memorial for people to pay respects, though. The town was also renamed to Weidhofen, but likely for unrelated purposes. Books have been written, movies have been made, and as usual, the podcasters and amateur sleuths have tried to solve this mystery. So far, nobody has been able to figure out who committed the murders. After 100 years, the murders have still not been solved. There are still theories floating around, though. Some of them are linked and don't provide a perpetrator, but I'm going to look at them anyway. First, we need to talk about the barn. Four of the bodies were found there. The theory, and the police conclusion, is that the members of the family were lured to the barn one by one, and then killed. The theory suggests that each of the adults were killed before being covered, so as they were lured out, they would have seen the other bodies before dying themselves. Young Cecilia is an unknown here, since we don't know if she was lured out or just happened to stumble upon the grisly scene. It explains why the bodies were spread out, but the reason why is unknown. The next theory is that Victoria's husband Carl did it. Carl had been announced as killed in action in 1914, but the theory suggests that he didn't actually die. The idea is that it took Carl six years to find Victoria out at Hinterkaifeck and hiding from her until it was safe to reappear. Here, he would have discovered Joseph, who was not his son. Flying into a rage, he murdered the whole family, then stayed in the home for a few days before fleeing the scene. The theory gained steam at the end of the Second World War, when German prisoners reported seeing Karl in a Soviet uniform. This theory is contested by the information that his body had been seen 
and that Carl was actually dead. On the same line, one theory suggests that Lorenz Schlittenbauer was the killer. Everyone thought he was the father of Joseph and had been involved with the family before. Although Lorenz married later, he was still attached to the family by Joseph. He had a son with his wife, who died at a few weeks old, which was a possible motive. The theory is that Lorenz, distraught at the loss of his son, turned on Victoria and Joseph because he was expected to pay child support, and maybe because he was angry that the son that he had known was his had died while Joseph had survived. During the initial investigation, Lorenz was found as suspicious. His behaviour at the crime scene alerted people to him. He acted rather nonchalant towards the tragedy that he had stumbled upon. He would look at and move bodies without showing any signs that it was strange. And he knew the farm well. Now, there's a couple of things to address here. If Lorenz was grieving, that can come out in many different ways. His nonchalance could very well have been there. He would have known his way around the farm because he had previously been in a relationship with Victoria. So it's entirely possible that he would know the farm that way. Another theory is that the murders were part of a pact that Andreas and Victoria had made. The theory suggests that Andreas was the father of Joseph and that one of them had killed the entire family before ending their own life. The problem with this one is that none of the wounds were self-inflicted. That means this theory can't be the right one. The murders had to have been committed by someone from outside the farm. But who exactly that is, is still a mystery. Perhaps we'll never know, unless something new gets discovered. The story from this episode came from a grunge article called The Creepy Truth About the Hinterkaifeck Murders, a mental floss article called The Chilling Story of the Hinterkaifeck Killings, a forensic yard article called The Mysterious Unsolved Cold Case of Hinterkaifeck Murders, and a historic mysteries article called The Mystery of Germany's Hinterkaifeck Farmhouse Murders. Theories from this episode came from the Historic Mysteries article, a Ranker article called 11 Disturbing Facts About the Unsolved Hinterkaifeck Murders, and a Film Daily article called The Unsolved Hinterkaifeck Farm Murders Are Creepy AF. References for the episode and links to studies will be posted on social media for you to have a look at. Speaking of social media, links to those and other ways to listen are in the episode description under my link tree. You can currently find me on Facebook and Instagram. Patreon is getting an upload of one of the transcripts each week as part of the £3 tier. The link to the Patreon is also on the link tree and, as before, you're welcome to pledge more than £3 a month and I'll find something extra special for the people that do. I do have an email set up on the link tree, but it doesn't open a new email so that's in the description of the episode too. Send me your spooky stories, unexplained events and anything else you want me to read out. Or, if you have any corrections or issues with things that I've said, 
Let me know and I'll address them as soon as I see the email. The next Creature feature will be out on Saturday and next week's episode comes out on June 8th. So hold on until then. Thank <laughs> you.